Welcome to the New Little Life Podcast. My name is Allison. I'm a lactation consultant, a breast pump expert, and a mom of three little boys. Here on the podcast, we talk with real moms and experts about breastfeeding and pumping. This podcast is designed to help you feel supported by other moms who are doing exactly what you're doing, to get tips and tricks on breastfeeding, and learn how to efficiently navigate pumping while going back to work. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm happy that you're here with us today. I am really excited to kick off season two here with our guest today. This season is going to be heavily focused on working moms. We're going to be talking to working moms in a lot of different professions, asking them how they're balancing everything, breastfeeding, pumping, working, family life. I mean, heaven forbid you have a hobby or a self-interest on top of that but really you have so many things. So today we're going to be talking with Amanda. She is a full-time working mother, a wife, and a medical optometrist. She's also a business owner and a mom entrepreneur on a mission. So we're glad to have you. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. I'm really, I'm looking forward to diving into our chat. Um, Thank you for rearranging your work schedule today and fitting this in. Like you of all people will know that working moms just have a crazy schedule. So why don't you just start by telling me where you're at in your journey, how it's been so far getting started to start at the beginning. Okay. Awesome. So I will tell you I'm nine months in, uh, actually almost like nine and a half. My son was born in September of 2021, you know, height of COVID Delta. That was kind of a crazy time. Um, it's, it's definitely not exactly how I pictured it, probably better than I pictured it. It hasn't been without its challenges. Uh, it's kind of that type of thing where um, you, know, you pretty much have to pump at work to maintain your supply. And I think that's something that all working moms know better than most people. Um, you really can't miss a pump because uh, it can affect your supply. So that's you know definitely something that I deal with. Yeah, I think a lot of moms can relate to that. So what made you decide to want to breastfeed? So it's very interesting because there's so many things, uh, being a mom, a first-time mom, actually, that I did not expect that I was going to do or be passionate about. So, you know, before um, having my son, even though I actually have quite a large pediatric population in my practice, um, nothing really prepares you, no matter how much medical training you have, no matter how much work you do with kids. Um, so I definitely said, you know, fed is best, which I think a lot of people believe that. Um, and my son, he was actually born only five and a half pounds. So he, at, we had late stage interuterine growth restriction and, uh, I had a really, really long labor, 63 hours, um, tons of medication, tons of medication for induction. And when he was born, he was small right out of the womb you know, they had said to me, well, breastfeeding is going to be best for him because, you know, he's so small, but within about 30 seconds of him being out, uh, he was formula fed right away. And I didn't really get an option on that. And it was, it was almost kind of traumatizing to have your baby taken away and not really have much of a say about it. And then he was kind of whisked away to the NICU. And, you know, I did have a lot of good support in the hospital setting of a lot of great nurses and professionals really telling me the importance of breastfeeding. And I said, okay, I'm going to really push for this. I'm going to give it a try. 
And uh, it was extremely difficult actually to breastfeed in the NICU. It pretty much didn't happen. Essentially, it would be a lot of combo feeding. And uh, the NICU was very, I think a lot of first time NICU moms kind of know, it's a very traumatizing experience because you, you don't have your baby, you know that they're getting the best care. Um, I really wanted to do something for him. And what can you do in that situation, right? You can pop. That's pretty much what you can do. So, you know, I, I'm okay, let me go ahead and pump for him. Let me do something for him. I can't help him. And he was able to come home after a short NICU stay. It was relatively short, about five days. And once we got home, my mom was a really huge support system in teaching me the importance of breastfeeding. And, you know, she was telling me, you know, he's so small, he's going to do so well if he breastfeeds and you can top him off with formula. It's okay. Let him, let him cry uh, for a few seconds. Let him, let him 15 minutes is not going to kill him. You know, he's going to cry. He's going to learn. And I think that really helped our breastfeeding journey. And he was able to latch and breastfeed successfully once we got home. And I actually didn't have to combo feed after that, which was fantastic. I did a lot of triple feeding though, to bring in the milk supply, then down to double feeding. Um, but I realized how important breastfeeding was because within a month, he, you know, was doubling his weight, which is awesome for a very small baby. Um, so that was really important to me to really be able to do something for my son at that time and really deep dive and learn the importance of uh, nutrition of breastfeeding and certain things like that. So um, I've become really passionate about it. And now it's kind of like, that's probably uh, my most important job is being a mom and breastfeeding my son and pumping for him. That's amazing. So you were kind of thrown into the world of pumping really quickly and unexpectedly, um, you know, for those first five days. And then it sounds like it carried on a little bit. Did you know anything about pumping? How was that trying to figure all that out while your baby was in the NICU? I knew nothing about pumping, absolutely nothing. And it's pretty interesting because I have a lot of friends who are already moms and, you know, they kind of, they just made it sound so easy and made it look so easy and everything is so wonderful. And, you know, just oh, 10 minutes on the boob, my, my kid knows how to nurse no problem and, you know, pumping, no problem. And I, the biggest issue for me is that actually at the hospital, even though I had a lot of really great professionals, they did not know, I actually saw six lactation consultants and he did not know anything about pumping at all. And I was grossly missized by a lactation consultant. They put me in a 27 hard plastic flange and I'm actually a 14. Oh um, my gosh. That's, yeah. that's crazy. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. I think at the time I was probably closer to a 15 or 16 early on. Um, obviously things change as I've learned as many lactation professionals know, which I am not one, but I know many know uh, that size can change in your breastfeeding journey. So I think around that time I was probably closer to a 16, but that's still a huge difference. You know, I mean, massive. Um, thank God I was able to resize myself, reach out to resources, have um, you know, get one of those circular rulers. I think that helped a lot. And uh, it was crazy because I did pump though for a good um, month with the wrong size. Uh, very, very hugely grossly missized and it was painful. Um, but I, I learned so much and now I've, I've kind of found that uh, silicone flanges were better. And that's why I was missized because when you have slight elasticity of the nipples, you know, your nipple can kind of swell up when you're pumping and 
uh, they're, oh, you need a bigger size. You need a bigger size. And that, that really wasn't the case at all. I actually needed a smaller size the whole time. Yeah. What did you notice when you switched to a smaller size? What kind of differences from that pumping with that bigger size? Well, first of all, the pain went away completely. So I didn't know that you can pump without pain, which I thought was awesome. And it just inserts were a game changer to begin with when I was still using the hard plastic flanges. And I was just like, wow. So it feels like the baby. It doesn't feel like pain because, you know, I was still double feeding, you know, doing pumping and feeding the baby for quite a while before my milk supply fully came in. Um, and I did not, you know, like I said, for a month and I was like, wow, wait a minute, my output is doubled now and I can pump without pain now. And this is amazing and not painful. And I'm actually not miserable and looking forward to this instead of dreading it. So I think that was pretty, pretty huge for me. You mentioned you like the softer silicone flanges better. Is that still the case? Is that what you're using currently? A hundred percent. So I made the switch to Lactec flanges. Um, I've tried pump and pals too, but Lactec is pretty awesome and they come in a super small size. So yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, oh my gosh, what a difference that makes. And it, your output is just so much better. And I know everybody's different, sure. but for me personally, the silicone flanges, it doesn't even hurt. It feels like the baby. I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. And I, I mean, at this point, um, you know, I've, and I've had to correct things in my journey a couple of times I've had to resize, but every time I resize, um, it just, it, it goes, you know, you might feel a dip and I, I double the output and it's amazing, which is great because I'm away from the baby so much, you know? Yeah. Flange sizing is hugely important. And I like how you, you mentioned everyone's kind of different. Some people do respond better to the harder phalanges. Some people really respond better to the comfort and feel of soft silicone phalanges. And I'm grateful that some of these companies, I, I hopefully I can get Lactech on someone from that mom tech company to talk. Cause I would love to learn more about their, like how they came up with that. But it is different and a little bit of trial and error, like you found, like what works best for me, what's getting me the most output. So that's really cool. Um, speaking of pumps, what pumps have you used? What pumps are you currently using? I'd love to know that. So I have a lot of pumps. I think I have a pump collecting addiction. That's okay. If you have to be addicted to something, I guess you that's not join that the club. Bad. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, so when I started out, um, because we were in the NICU, the hospital had the Amata Platinum, which was, you know, great for at that time. And my husband was able to rent one from a local pharmacy and we rented one. And so I was using that for a while for the first month. Um, again, of course, with the wrong flanges, but it, you know, it was doing okay for me. Uh, I wasn't loving it even though it was hospital grade, right? Because, and you know, I know I actually have watched your videos. You've done this whole thing about what does hospital grade really mean? Uh, it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, so I, we returned that one after about six weeks. Uh, I used the Willow 3.0 at work in situations to see patients. And actually, once I came back to work, I used the Willow 3.0 pretty exclusively for a while because I was getting great results with um, some silicone inserts. So I was doing really well with that. Um, but actually my primary pump right now is the Spectra Dual S compact, the, the mm. dual compact. Yeah. Um, which I saw so many helpful YouTube videos that told me, you know, this is going to be great. And I tried the Synergy Gold too. And actually I do better with the dual compact than the gold because of the cycle speeds. Um, so that's my main pump right now with Lactec flanges, Spectra parts, 
um, and the legendary milk um, duck bills. I don't know why, but that combination works amazing for me. And that little thing is so powerful. That's my main pump. I love the dual motor. It's amazing. So with the dual motor, do you use different uh, suction settings on each side? Um, sometimes. So it's pretty interesting. You know, sometimes sensitivity levels can be different. Um, I think hormones play a part in that for sure. So there's times where I think a lot of moms can relate to the slacker boob story. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely different times of the month where I can feel that my slacker boob is being an extra slacker. So I can use just a little bit more suction on the left side and the right side just pretty much maintains and does its job like it's supposed to. So that's definitely um, my favorite pump. And I love the fact that I can do that. It's so, so helpful. Yeah, that's really cool. I've, I'm always interested to know when moms have dual motor pumps, if they actually utilize the dual motor function. Um, so that's cool to hear you say that. Have you tried any wearable? Let's see. Were there any wearables on your list? Do you like those kind of pumps? So I definitely did the Willow 3.0. I also have the Willow Go, which is, you know, depending if what kind of situation I want. If I want to pump into bags, I'd use the 3.0. If I want to just kind of use the pitcher method, I'll pump into the Go. Um, I like that they both have pretty strong suction. So that's super helpful. Um, I like, you know, but it, they also can be gentle too. Um, I have the baby Buddha with the legendary milk cups. I don't get as great output with the baby Buddha. It's some people respond amazing to it. For me, it's, it's okay. You know, it's not as good as my um, dual compact. What I do like to do in situations where it have to be a little bit more discreet. I have this um, fanny pack looking bag that I got, I can't remember the name of the company, but it actually fits the dual compact with the legendary milk cups, makes it a little bit more portable. So in that sense, it's a wearable. So that's pretty helpful. Um, But yeah, I I probably won't, I I probably only want to do wearable pumps when I have to. And that's just me though. Um, And if I have to, then my main one would probably of choice be the 3.0 for convenience, the Willow 3.0. Let me ask you this. Do you ever pump while you see patients? I pumped while I saw patients right up until I'm going to say last month. So it's been pretty, I never actually took a pump break until about seven to eight months postpartum um, because I was responding so well to the willow at that point. And uh, I never took pump breaks, constantly saw patients. I will tell you, uh, it's very interesting on that because male patients have no idea, none. They just think that either I'm wearing a heart monitor, they can't see it, or they think there's a printer going on in the background. So they can't really tell, or they just don't say anything. Uh, Female patients, it's been actually quite an outpouring of support because they know right away. And kind of the joke is with that, um, oh, wow, yeah, I just thought you were very voluptuous. (laughs) Um, Because the willow can make you look quite voluptuous. Yes, it can. So... Uh, even with like great script, I'm actually wearing it now because I, I needed to be in a wearable today. So that's kind of how it looks. It's pretty voluptuous. But. Yeah, it is. But you got a black shirt on and it, I mean, like I said, a man probably would be like, okay. Okay. So when you go in to see a patient, do you usually like tell them you're pumping or do you just walk in like a normal consult and just see how it goes? So I walk in like a normal consult uh, for pretty much my male patients and new patients and things like that. But a lot of my return patients who I've seen for the past couple of years, they know I had a baby. 
because I was gone for nine weeks. And the first question is, oh, how's the baby? And then, of course, with the formula shortage, they were like, oh, are you okay? I said, like, well, I'm pumping right now. And it's I actually get a lot of positive affirmations. But honestly, there's there's even some, I have a large Medicare population as well. So there are a lot of male patients too who just straight up ask me, oh, are you breastfeeding? And I, I'm pumping. Yeah, wonderful. So believe it or not, I think the world has changed on that. That's probably the one good thing that's come out of the formula shortage is support for breastfeeding and positive affirmation, as opposed to, oh, be discreet, don't hide. And again, everybody's different, you know, like I, I you're not trying to flash and show everybody, but, you know, uh, it is nice to get that really positive support and feedback. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad to hear that, that they're fairly supportive and that I think moms are, are afraid of like letting people know you're pumping or been afraid of like negative feedback, but I've had the same experience as you. Anytime I'm breastfeeding or pumping or something like that, it's almost always positive and almost always way to go. Do you need me to grab you some water? Like I can see you're breastfeeding here in the store, you know, or like you're pumping somewhere weird. So I'm glad to hear that you've had a really similar experience with a lot of positivity. Oh yeah, definitely. And it makes it great because I feel that, you know, the more people that do it, it's going to normalize it a little bit better. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So what kind of challenges, specifically pumping challenges, have you faced in, you know, working in a high pressure and fast paced medical environment? I mean, this is not easy what you're doing. So there's definitely a lot of challenges. I think the biggest thing is actually carving out time for yourself to stick to a pumping schedule. That's the biggest thing because uh, it can definitely affect your supply. So, you know, the, like I said, the first up to about seven or eight months postpartum, I really did the best I could to stick to somewhat of a schedule. So I, I just call it like my morning pump and then my afternoon pump, right? Because I would pump twice a day at work. Um, and the challenge was that it was always maybe within a half hour, maybe on the hour, um, give or take. And there were times where I actually missed pumps and that made it more challenging. And I actually noticed that my supply kind of tanked a bit uh, when... I would say somewhere around like six to seven months. And it was because I really wasn't sticking to a schedule. And so I finally, you know, they always say, oh, it's federally protected. You have to have pump breaks. But who is going to give me a pump break in my practice? There's nobody else to see my patients. So I had to carve out time for myself. And I told my staff, I was like, from now on, um, 11 o'clock, there will be no comprehensive exams at that time. I will be happy to see a medical patient where, you know, a medical visit, somebody's got a red eye, somebody's got, you know, a follow-up for diabetic retinopathy or something, something that I can do relatively quickly and still get my pump in on that hour. Um, I'll go ahead and do that. And then I'm stating also a 2 p.m. pump time for myself because to go from about 12 o'clock when I feed the baby, 1230, when I feed the baby um, to not seeing the baby again for like six hours can be quite a challenge. And I have to have like a two to three o'clock around that time frame pump break. So I instated that pump break for myself and that was huge, but it was the biggest challenge was finding time. That was the biggest challenge for me. And you, you're a business owner, correct? Yeah. So, um, actually it started out where I had a partner, um, and I started working here with him. And then, then I was able to purchase into the practice just a couple of years after graduating school. So that was pretty helpful. So um, being a business owner, you know, and a mom in the same year is not, also not within its challenges because during my pregnancy, I worked 
up until the day I was induced. I mean, I had to, I was, uh, the practice that I purchased into had a very large, not only pediatric, but geriatric population. So lots of medical issues, patients that have to have their pressure checks, uh, for glaucoma evaluations. Um, just a lot of, a lot of, um, follow-up care, a lot of things that I had to manage, um, macular degeneration, things that I have to be on top of and charts that I have to do. And yes, I am very lucky to have EHR. I mean, you'd be surprised not everybody does. And it definitely made it faster, but up until the, up until I was induced, I was pretty much staying till about 7 PM every night, 8 PM, just getting charts done. So that was pretty big for me. But then once my son was born, I, I can't stay late, like super late and do charts anymore. And so, you know, I actually, I was talking to my primary care doctor, you know, she's been through this before. And I told her, I was like, you know, I feel like I'm not giving a hundred percent to work and a hundred percent at home. And she's like, listen, something's going to give, you're never going to be able to do a hundred and a hundred. I was like, she's like, listen, if you can do 90% and 90%, that's awesome. Just be the best mom that you can be to your son. And you're going to have charts stacked up. Sometimes you'll have 40, 50 charts stacked up. It's happened to me. It's how it goes. You know, you just do the best you can and you will catch up. Don't worry about it. And guess what? Sometimes the laundry won't be done, or maybe you have to order in and you're not going to be able to get dinner going or anything like that. That's just part of being a working mom is not being so hard on yourself, not expecting perfection. And I know a lot of medical professionals, anybody who's a doctor that I know, uh, when, when you become a doctor, you really have to have a lot of discipline to do that. And so you're really used to getting things done. You're not used to just letting things sit on the back burner. So that was a challenge for me to accept that, that, hey, sometimes something's got to give a little bit and that's okay. That is gold. Like this is the working mom mantra. Like you can't give a hundred percent at everything and your life changes when you have a baby. And I can see what you're saying. Um, I'm a nurse. So like, I I'm familiar with healthcare and the pressures that come there and the charting and things like that, you know, um, you, you're going to have a stack, you know what I mean? Sometimes. And I love what you said. It's not going to last forever. You will catch up, but it might be a year. <laughs> like, I mean, you just have to do the best you can. Um, thank you so much for that. I would like to know a little bit about your maternity leave. So you own this practice. If you don't see patients, the, the practice doesn't make income. I mean, also patients aren't getting care. So like, what was, what was your thought process in maternity leave and, and stepping away from your patients to do the mom thing, which you should do, you know? So it was nice because like I said, I do have a partner. However, uh, we have two offices. So he's at the other office and I'm at this office primarily. And the challenge was, okay, we need a fill-in for maternity leave. And then the other challenge was not all doctors are created equal. So that's a big thing is entrusting a fill-in doctor to come in and take care of your medical management of your patients um, or either put patients off for a few months or something. And But some patients cannot be put off. They have to come in for certain medical requirements. And I was very, very fortunate because my practice is located right next to Nova Southeastern University. And there was um, a recently graduating class and it was in 2021. And I was very, very lucky to find an amazing fill-in doctor. And she was able to take care of all of my patients. And actually I kept her on uh, on Wednesday so I could have that day with my son up until pretty much last month. Uh, so I was working four days a week up until pretty much last month, but I, I really did have to come back. 
But uh, yes, there is no paid maternity leave for an owner. That is not something that we have. So she, of course, does get paid. And that's what keeps the practice going. She did an amazing job, which was great. But of course, you know, when you're not here, obviously, you're going to have to understand, hey, something's going to take a hit a little bit. So there was definitely in business, there was definitely, you know, a drop in revenue. But I will say as soon as I came back, things, you know, kind of picked up, there were some staff changes while I was gone, it was, it was a challenge. And um, there were definitely patients who wanted to wait till I got back to and that's okay. I took a very short maternity leave, um, nine weeks. So I really wish I could have taken more. But when you have a young business, um, it's just not really something that you can do. And that's okay. You know, everybody's different. Um, that's definitely a pro, but you know, you take the good with the bad. So were you also managing kind of a little bit of the office stuff, personnel issues and things while you were on your maternity leave, just from the back end? To the best that I could. Um, having, you know, a partner who's the managing partner was easier because a lot did come onto him. But yeah, there was definitely people who would uh, call me or email me if patients have my number, you know, uh, I give my number to any kind of emergency situation, I'm going to give you my number. So I, I always joke, like, you know, you can text me because everybody has my number. I'm one of those doctors. And um, yeah, the personnel issues was a challenge because I, I remember being about six weeks postpartum and there was a staffing issue. Um, this was around the time of the great resignation when that first happened, when everybody was leaving. And so, you know, there was definitely a staffing issue, staff uh, conflict. And it's like, I did the best I could, but at the end of the day, you know, you also know you are limited unless you're actually going to physically go into the office, you are going to be limited as to what you can actually control. But I do have an incredible staff right now. So that's super helpful. They've been here a while and um, my staff, it actually makes it amazing for me to pump. They really, and it's, it's actually an all female staff that I have here, not for any other reason. Um, that's just how that happened. And they're all amazing. And they're all super supportive of pumping and making time for that. So that's a huge help. I think I see this with doctors, especially like just enlisting the help of those who are working with you, nurses or aides, or, um, you know, enlisting their help and support. I, I think I wish more doctors would do that. You know, like you're not in this alone. You're in healthcare, you know, people will understand, especially those who work with you. So I'm really glad that they're supportive and that you've like included them like, Hey, I got a pump. Don't schedule patients or schedule this kind of patient around my pump break. Like help me do this. And sounds like they're really supportive in doing that for you. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty awesome. Actually, I was an LPN before this as well. Okay. Uh, a long time ago, uh, actually not that long ago, I guess 2008 uh, time frame. And um, there was definitely, you know, challenges in being a nurse. And I have a lot of friends who are nurses. And I can tell you, I will say at least I, I believe that I've noticed hospital settings have become more friendly. So I appreciate that as well. Um, but sometimes, I mean, I know people, nurses, you're, you're assigned so many patients at once. I think nurses specifically face a special challenge. So anytime you can get doctors involved to kind of help out with that or administration or things like that, I think that's huge. Or just the people around you, that's huge, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, but when you went back to work, you had a nine week maternity leave. Did you have some milk in the freezer? Was that a major goal for you? What, what did going back to work look like for you? So I think I was playing a mental game with myself when I was on my short maternity leave. It was um, 
gotta feed the freezer, gotta feed the freezer, gotta have a stash, gotta have a stash. And I mean, at that point, I, I did have a pretty decent sized fridge stash. But again, that was my mental game that I was doing with myself, because of course, social media pressures telling you, it's so important to have a fridge stash. And the funny thing was, even though I made a nice little stash for myself, I did not really use it. And sometime around January, I stopped trying to feed the freezer. And that was pretty big for me was, you know, like, okay, I need to, I need to stop this. Um, I mean, it's good and it's bad to do that because if you pump too little, right, you're going to decrease your supply. But the freezer stash, I think, gives a working mom some security, like, okay, if I stop producing, I'll have something. So it's like, it's a good and a bad thing. Like you want to have one if you're a working mom, but you don't want to overdo it and feed the freezer. As they say, you want to feed the baby, you know? Absolutely. So looking back on that, do you wish you would have approached that a little bit differently or are you happy with how that went and played out? I would have approached it differently for sure. I think I would have focused more on de-stressing and enjoying the maternity leave that I did have. I mean, as much as you can enjoy it, right? Because it's a beautiful time as a first time mom, it's a beautiful thing, but there's, it's, there's so much stress that you just don't know about. And, you know, um, that was kind of crazy for me was, I think I was too focused on it. I would do the same thing, but less, I'll put it that way. I think that would be the biggest thing. Feed the freezer a little bit less. Yeah. I, I love to hear you say that. So I recently, well, not recently earlier this year, launched a program specifically for pumping moms and a big focus is reducing stress, reducing, taking out things that you don't need to do so that you can stress less and just enjoy what you're doing right now. Because I think what you experienced is what a lot of working moms experience. Like, okay, baby's here. Let's get pumping. Let's get breastfeeding. Let's get all the stuff going. Let's get back to work and the schedule and stuff. And you kind of lose in the midst of all that stress and anxiety, you lose a little bit of like, this is maternity leave. Like, can I just enjoy breastfeeding for a minute before we tackle like the pumping? And, and I agree with you. I think a, a small freezer stash can really give you some peace of mind going back to work. And for some, for some moms, a big freezer stash is all is what you need to like have the peace of mind and reduce that anxiety. But I think just kind of reframing it and let's do as little as possible and reduce the stress to still meet the goal that we want. And I think that varies uh, a lot from mom to mom. So I loved hearing your take on that kind of situation. Yeah, absolutely. How long do you, do you have a goal in mind for nursing, pumping? So I think what really helped me get as far as I have is actually setting realistic expectations mm -hmm. because of course, working as much as I do um, to start out, you know, I said, okay, when I got home, because we weren't even really breastfeeding all that much, I said, I'm going to try this for two weeks. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to formula feed. Well, you know, it came right away. Two weeks came away. I'm like, awesome. I got this. I'm going to do this for six months. And if this works out awesome, I'm going to go from there. Six months came away. I said, Oh, my goal is definitely a year. I can, I can totally do a year. It's going great. I am about, you know, close, a little less than three months away from a year at this point. And that is still my goal is a year. However, I really don't think there's any necessity to just put an end to it. I think, you know, you got to let your baby kind of 
put an end to it. And, you know, babies, listen, some babies will never naturally wean. Some people love the boob. Some babies love the boob forever. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm going to, I, I kind of shortened up my goal to, okay, a year to a year and three months. And then if that comes and goes, then longer. Um, I will definitely though, what I'm doing for myself is I am going to cut down some of the pumps I do. So when he hits, when he hits 10 months, I'll probably only pump once a day at work because I I do go home to nurse. I'm very, very fortunate. I live incredibly close to my office, just about down the street. So I do go home to nurse every day. So that's huge. So I'll cut down one of the pumps at 10 months and then we'll kind of see where we go from there. Yeah. And eventually, especially past a year, you can maybe even cut down all your pumping at work, but still breastfeed as long as you want, which would, you know, kind of be cool. That would be awesome. I would love that because as much as there's wonderful resources for pumping and as much as, you know, everybody says that, you know, it can be great. And here's the thing. I don't think anybody actually loves pumping. I think we just do it and try to get the best we can with it. Um, I don't think anybody says it's the most wonderful experience and pumping is a joy. (laughs) So I would love to just breastfeed at home and not pump at all at work. I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a totally realistic goal, especially like after that year mark. Um, it it just kind of depends on what your baby does. Like you said, some babies love the breast and just, you're going to have to keep pumping at work to keep your milk supply because they breastfeed like crazy on the weekends or whatever, but some babies kind of start naturally tapering down, but will still breastfeed at home up to two years, you know, two and a half years if you wanted. And you could kind of cut down and eliminate the pumping after that, which would be really cool. I think a lot of moms, it just gets in your way. I mean, I think you're right. Pumping is pumping, right? And it, and you can, at first, maybe it's fun and you're like, this is cool, but it does get old and it becomes this thing you have to add in your day. It's a scheduling thing. You're always dealing with milk. You can't ever quit it. And I think by the time you hit that year mark, especially, it's just kind of like, I'm kind of over this. Um, I'm not, maybe I'm not ready to give up breastfeeding, but the pumping thing is just starting to, to get old. Do you feel it? But do you find yourself feeling that way as well? Yes. And also my caregivers, right? So I am also very, very fortunate that I have family. Uh, my mother and my mother-in-law um, are a huge part of my childcare. They're the ones who watch my son during the day. They split it. Sometimes they both do it the same. It's just, you know, and they love it Two grandmas, um, but they are going to love it because then I don't have to go home for lunch and then I can just drop my son off in the mornings to their house. So I think that's also my goal is to drop the lunch feeding during, or even pretty much day feedings while I'm at work. I think that would be a great goal. I mean, he listen, he can do what he wants. He wants pumped milk, let him have it. I'm not going to restrict that by any means, but to, for me to actually go home for lunch every day, which I have done, since I returned back to work to actually have my own lunch would be amazing. I would love that. I don't even know what that's like anymore. Right. You used to do that every day. Do you remember what that life was like? (laughs) It was awesome. I missed that a little bit. I mean, I love seeing my son and it's, and I will miss, I think it's going to be bittersweet because I'll miss that special time with him. You know, even if it's just an hour that I get with him, uh, but also just to have some, I think that's an important part of being a mom is just having your own self a little bit, like a self-identity. I think that's huge. And you've worked really hard to get where you're at and you're running a practice, you know, and taking that hour to be with your son is, is wonderful. We, you know, you want to be with your baby, but also you're taking an hour away from your, your business and your clients too. It's a really fine balance as a working mom to find what works specifically for you and your lifestyle and your job and your family. I think a lot of working moms feel like they're always on a tightrope 
And I think we need to give ourselves a break because it is a balancing act. That's all we're doing all the time. And that's, that's okay though. It's fine. It's just, we have to accept that this is a stage that we're at and it won't be like this forever. I 100% agree. So I have three kids. So my youngest is, um, he'll be two in a couple months here. So I feel like I'm just kind of starting to get out of this phase a little bit where I have a little bit more freedom and I'm not tied to breast milk and my kids are a little older and they're in school, you know, and, and I remember though, being in the baby phase, the milk phase and being like, this is a lot. And this is my life forever. Like this is my new normal. I have no time for myself. I'm always juggling milk and babies and stuff. And you're right. It is. It doesn't last forever, although it can feel really overwhelming and really like a tightrope, you know? And I think the important thing is to make sure that you are doing mentally okay. If if walking this tightrope is becoming too difficult, if you're falling often, if you are really struggling to get back on, that's a problem. Like talk to somebody, a friend, a healthcare worker. But I think you're right. This is kind of a normal thing, especially for working moms, because you guys are juggling so much. Definitely. So as we kind of wrap up here, I would love to know kind of, you've given us so many gold nuggets already, but what is the most valuable piece of advice that you would give to a fellow working mom? So I think the thing that's what I wish somebody would have told me, and it's even more so than take it easy on yourself or cut yourself a break is things are not going to go as you expect. No matter how well you're a planner or you, you know, take time to map out the perfect delivery and the perfect feeding plan for your baby and the perfect this and that, that's, that's really not going to happen. I mean, sometimes it does, and that's amazing. And it's great when things work out when they want them to, but really give yourself a break because it's not, it's not always going to turn out how you want and it could turn out better, you know, but nothing is perfect. Um, just kind of an example for my delivery, right? So I expected to have this beautiful induction. I had my nails done, my lashes done, like, you know, I wanted beautiful pictures. Um, I did not get that with a, <laughs> I have pictures, but I, I don't feel that they're beautiful for me. Um, I had, a, like I said, a 64 hour induction, which I don't even know how that's a thing, but I'm glad it happened that way. And I, I didn't end up with a C-section. I probably would have had to take a longer maternity leave if that was the case. And I actually ended up with postpartum edema. And I don't know if you ever saw that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where the girl kind of blows up. Yes. Um, that's that's <laughs> kind of how I was. And so, I mean, oh, that's a good, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't have these, this beautiful postpartum, gorgeous photos of, oh, me and the baby's so beautiful. Let's do a photo shoot. I don't have any of that. I felt horrible and filled with fluid. And, uh, but you know, my son was wonderful. He's great. And, you know, it was a really rough start. Definitely didn't get any postpartum depression either. I skipped right. I feel like to PTSD, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's okay. You got to just say, okay, well, things aren't going to go as planned, but look where we're at, you know? Yeah. That's I, a really good note to end on like this. You, you can't anticipate what's going to happen. So what do you think was the, the best thing that you did to navigate that? Like, did you find help? Did you find support? Did you just work through it mentally? Did you just put your head down and go forward? I mean, what, what do you think you did to kind of help you get through that? You seem like you're in a really good and healthy place right now. 
So because my son was born small for gestational age, I didn't have that great experience of, oh, just feed the baby on demand. Like I actually had to breastfeed him on a very strict schedule because we did not want him to go back to the PICU because after they discharge a baby, they don't go to the NICU again. They go to the PICU if you have to bring them back to the hospital. And I was very, very terrified of that, of him, you know, not being with me again. So we were instructed, you know, feed him every hour to three hours because um, he can't maintain blood sugar. I mean, it was, it was crazy. So having a schedule and actually distracting myself with taking care of my baby was huge. And then kind of once he was doing better, I really tried to channel my energy and my focus onto him and my support system. Um, my husband's an excellent, amazing support system. He's an amazing father. That was huge for us. My mom, she was so, so supportive. I mean, she actually stayed with us the first month. You know, she slept in his nursery to give me a break sometimes. So those those two to three hours that I would get to sleep, uh, I really cherished that. That was a wonderful time when she would watch him for me doing that. Um, my mother-in-law, super supportive, super helpful. And of course, like, you know, I have my, my, my parents are both living here too. My dad, my mom, huge support system. So both sets of grandparents are a huge support system, I think. Really relying on other people and just, which I am not used to doing. I'm, I'm still getting used to that, but really relying on other people is a big deal. And I think if we just kind of share that burden a little bit, that kind of helps, helps you get through any negative feelings you have. Although if I did have to deal with postpartum, I would not be afraid to reach out and have resources um, for that, but I didn't have to do that. So, but, you know, I know at least there are resources available to do that if I needed to. That's so great. Thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing so much of your story, especially some like of the more difficult parts. And you really gave us a lot of like tips to make this work and practical ways that you're making this work, not only as a, a physician in a practice, but you own this practice and you've done an amazing job. I'm really impressed. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your thoughts with us today. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, just to be able to reach other working moms, especially medical professionals, I think that would be awesome. And it helps anybody. I think that's a great thing too. You know, we're all in it together. We are all in it together. It takes a village, doesn't it? It really does. You can find all the links and stuff that we mentioned down in the show notes today. Also um, a couple of links to connect with Amanda if you'd like to. So everything that New Little Life is doing, if you'd like more information on the Pumping for Working Moms program, you can find that all on our website, which is newlittlelife.com. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks again, Amanda. Thank you so much. Take care.